0: On this edition of Across College Lacrosse, it is quarterfinal weekend in Hempstead and also in Annapolis, and yes, yours truly will be there. I will preview the duo of quarterfinal games for each site, as well as some individual matchups I'll be watching, plus diving in a little bit with D2-D3, the women's games, Uh, shouting out the MCLA JUCO, and NIAIA champion, and oh yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the MLL, because I saw an interesting quote from the new commissioner, Sandy Brown, and it's right now it's MLL season. I don't know if people are paying attention to that, if you're listening to this podcast, Uh, but he had some interesting things to say, and I'll uh, dissect what he said and my thoughts on what Mr. Brown said. It's another edition of Across College Lacrosse. Hey, hey, welcome everybody to episode number 26 of Across College Lacrosse. I am your host, Chris Wastrzemski, and a pleasure to be with you. Finally, this is actually my uh, first episode as a college graduate. It feels weird as a college graduate. uh, Also feels weird that my team, the Orange, are currently uh, done for the year. And my last home game, or last game, also my last home game, was in the Carrier Dome that Cornell lost 10-9. I was not that pleased with how the second half happened. Uh, I actually watched the game again. Most of the games actually today were on ESPNU, a little rerun, and it was a nice little uh, relaxation-slash-work-slash-rain day for me as my uh, second full day back home. I uh, saw that second half uh the the some of the calls that the refs were call uh, made that I was in a disagreement with. I saw it and they they probably got it right. Some of those uh, little no calls that didn't happen the calls. I think the calls that did happen uh were all all right. So uh good job by Hans Wittelberger and those refs. Uh that also that um that last possession that the Orange hat that we had uh, was just disgusting. I don't know what was going on. We were, first of all, right, I, I don't know how much time left. Maybe like a minute and a half or whatever minute. The Orange were just patient. They weren't really rushing a shot. And then, 32 seconds, Desco called a timeout, his second. And then, they decided to fire off four kind of blast shots. Was very, very, uh, confused with why that was happening. I'm not sure, uh if I would have done the same thing. Probably not. They had the right personnel out there. I don't think they just got looks. And it was a good move by Jake Pulver with seven seconds left to just pretty much take down Solomon. Because even if even if Cornell touched the ball or scooped up the ball, which I don't think they would have even done, that's probably even worse to do, right? That whole The whole foul happened. Let's say, I don't know, they... Let's say, like in college, across now, rules are flags down when, when play stops when the flag happens, no matter who has the ball. You have like three seconds left. That's probably even worse than what happened, what actually happened, because you have to set up everything. Everyone will be set up. Cornell probably has a timeout left, so they can figure out what to do. Overall, it sucks. Nope. I try to avoid the bias and shout out to people that actually told me like, oh, we appreciate you avoiding your bias and I appreciate them back. But, uh, it's allergies by the way, not crying. Um, yeah, it it just sucks. I I enjoyed these four years at Syracuse. I'm happy to have been a part of, I would do it again. I just wish we won a national championship, obviously. And... I'm just really excited for my next chapter in life. Whether it is continuing this, which I hope I do. Whether it's a new job. I I have a few leads right now. I will not tell you that, but I hopefully have an, uh, an idea of where I am come, I, I guess, August, September. Maybe even sooner. Hopefully sooner. But there are a few job offers that have been coming in and I'm excited for that. I just want to get the ball rolling again and Good news is we have two more weeks of college lacrosse. We have quarterfinal weekend, Saturday in Hempstead, Sunday in Maryland, Annapolis. I will be at both car rides for both for me. Uh, We did have a plan with the ESPNU guys, but that fell through. But I will be at Saturday's games, Sunday's games. If you see me, say hi. Uh, We will be on Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, probably on the College Cross page. Ryan McDonald will be at the Hempstead games uh, if you have any food suggestions, at me, at C.F. on Twitter. You can follow also College Cross on Twitter, at college underscore cross. Facebook as well, and Instagram if you want. Um, before we get to the games this weekend, I just want to say thank you to everybody that uh, visited the site, not only this past week, and I know this, the uh, overall uh uh, articles and whatever, content has been slow. I've been a little bit busy with packing up and traveling down and the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast and whatever. So I've been really busy, and I haven't been able to do a lot of stuff this week. Uh, but for those that have visited the site last week and check out all of our first-round pages and articles and whatnot, the bingo games, which are really popular with not only you fans, but also like actual media members. Anisha, especially, Booker Corrigan, uh, a couple others. Uh, thank you, because we actually, on Sunday, we had the second highest uh, viewership in our history. And it's a short history, it's a small history, it's 5,000 people. Uh, I think the tops was in 2015 when it was like 7,000. But that was when Hoya was taking over as manager. This is our highest that myself, Safe Ryan, have managed... Since we took over in 2016. So thank you to everybody. Uh, I personally hope you enjoy all the content. The podcast. The the bingos. And whatever. And if you listen to the two and a half podca- hour long podcast. God bless you. Because you are a saint. You are a soldier. Of the College Cross Army. And we hope to, for this one to go way shorter. Maybe like 45-50 minutes. But right now we're at seven and a half. So let's actually get on those games uh Maryland Cornell actually no Maryland Cornell Hopkins Duke will be on Sunday all games on ESPN U Saturday's first game Yale at or Yale and Loyola Maryland noon on the U at Short Stadium I've never been to Short Stadium a little bit excited of what to expect from there Uh, I I saw pictures last year, and it looked phenomenal, uh, considering where it was, what, Duke, Ohio State, and Notre Dame, Denver, and it was sold out. Uh, I'm hoping for a phenomenal atmosphere. I'm hoping for two phenomenal games, and the first one we get, kind of phenomenal, Yale, who's coming off a nice 15-13 win. Both teams coming off two goal wins. Uh, Yale coming off a 15-13 win over UMass. UMass making a late fourth-quarter charge. Uh, Loyola beating Virginia 14-12 in the uh the really long rain-delayed game. Virginia did make a late push, but it was kind of uh, a little too late. But Loyola looks really good. I'm going to be f- really, really excited to watch Chris Fake. First-team All-American. I definitely pushed that narrative, and it worked. Chris Fake, first-team All-American. Elite defenseman against Pat Spencer. I think Spencer will win that battle. Uh, experience matters. Spencer has been in this kind of situation before two years ago uh, when he was a freshman with Zach Haywires on the team. And now Spencer's now the alpha on this team with Aiden Olmstead and Kevin Lindley being his uh lucky dogs to get all those goals while Spencer just dishes out as many assists as humanly possible because he's got a lot. He's got 58. I think the team overall... Or a team outside of Spencer has, I think, 68 or something like that. So, yeah, it's... And they take away all the defensive, the the long poles and the short stick, the middies who have assists. And uh, I think it's close to even. 58-58. I think the uh, the entire offense is six total. Uh, but that will be a fun battle. I think the goalies will be interesting. You have Jack Starr, who was a little shaky. He's a freshman compared to Jacob Stover, who's been in again in this situation before as a junior now. He might be a little bit more settled. He's got some guys to face. Ben Reeves, especially, he's going to be as a torch and candidate. Jackson Morrow had a career-high seven goals. Matt Galdette, Lucas Kotler. This offense is, not, is no joke. Jack Kai, Joey Sessa at the midfield. This is a good offense that Yale has, but... Loyola's defense is kind of underrated, led by Foster Huggins, who was a first-team All-American. Foster Huggins is a damn good defenseman. Very aggressive. He should be on Reeves. That will be a fun matchup to watch. I think the face-off battle will be kind of leaning toward Yale. I'd lean the face-off battle to Yale. Connor Mackey over Mike Orfici or Bailey Savio. I would think Orfici would get... I think they might go to Savio if Mackey starts to uh, dominate. But I think... Mackey will dominate against both attack uh, offense. Hmm. Well, we'll go with this. We'll go with attack. Uh, I would go spend. I would go Loyola barely because you have that you have that uh, point guard maker and Pat Spencer over Ben Reeves, who's a good finisher, who's a very good finisher, and I don't want to downplay Ben Reeves and his uh skill set, but you have a guy that can dish out anything, and who has great vision like Pat Spencer, I would take him any day over a guy like Ben Reeves, and yes, and I've said this, that out if the Toriton race, if I had to replace Jeff Teed with a guy of his position, attack, it would be Pat Spencer, and I've got a lot of slack, and I know, take it, give me it, but Pat Spencer's still a hell of a player, and I remember my freshman year, or his freshman year, excuse me, we were all on the free Pat Spencer train. When he was snub of a Torridon finalist. Should he have won it? Probably not. But should he have been a finalist? Absolutely yes. Without a doubt. Should have been. Sadly he wasn't. It went to Dillon Malloy. Which he definitely deserved. Uh, but maybe he wins it next year. And maybe he wins it this year. If he takes his team. And again. This Torrenton race. Just like the tournament all, all together. Anybody can win it, right? Baptiste can win it. Reeves can win it. Spencer can win it. The guy that a lot of people forget can win it, Connor Kelly. not Connor Fields, I forget the fifth guy. That's amazing. So you have Baptiste, you have Reeves, you have Spencer, you have Connor Kelly, and there's another guy. And Gutterding, right? Justin Gutterding's on that list? I think Justin Gutterding's on that list. Pretty sure he is. So those five can are still in the tournament. I think one of them will lose either way. It'll be between um, uh, Bapt. No, Baptiste. Uh, it'll be actually Reeves and Spencer. So whoever loses that game sucks for them. Uh, but they would have a very, very outstanding season altogether. But going back to the matchups, I think offense give me. Loyola's offense over Yale's, uh, or at least attack midfield. I I take Yale overall offense and defense. Uh, Defensively, I excluding we're gonna include goalie. Including goalie, I take Loyola. I would take. I would just take take Jacob Stover over Jack Star easily, and Huggins over uh, Huggins over Fake. They're gonna be two good defensemen. I think that'll be the difference maker. Can Chris Fake stop Pat Spencer, or can the Yale offense, or the Yale, can the Yale defense limit Pat Spencer's vision? Can he shut the other guys off? Because I think if you shut, unlike Cornell, where you know Mellon was shutting off one player, can Yale shut off the other five players, and even Pat Spencer? Because if you shut off his vision. And those feeds become less effective. And the face-off, I would take Yale. Goalie would take Loyola. I think in this game, it'll be a three-goal win. Let's see. The Lax Vegas lines. I believe it's a lot of these games are one-goal games this week. Which is fantastic. Uh, both quarterfinals, I think, are one-goal lines. They are. Yale is a one-goal favorite over Loyola. I am taking... Gonna take Loyola minus one plus one, and the over under for this one is 24 and a half. Uh, mm, yeah, I feel comfortable with that. Maybe, mm, no, uh, yes, 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 over 24 and a half. Thinking like a 13 12, 14 12 game again, plus those games are actually above 24 and a half. For their first round games, second game on Saturday, and oh my God, we 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 got it, we got a fun one, Albany Denver. Erlen Baptiste, is it Trevor Baptiste's final game? Is it TD Erlen, the real deal? What about the rest of the team? And I know, yes we. That's the perfect thing to focus on. We should focus on the face-off battle. Baptiste, Ireland, who will get the edge? This will be fun. And I know a lot of people said, "Oh, Ireland, I don't know why Ireland is in a Irland is worse than Baptiste." Why? Because he's played less fewer competition. I understand that. But have you seen his numbers? Have you seen his numbers? He's gone near perfect. He's gone perfect, I think, at least two times, maybe three. Near perfect about six times. Missing one or two faceoffs. Baptiste, I mean, he hasn't lost. He hasn't gone under under fifty percent. That's where Irland has against Yale and Mackey. But and they're two phenomenal face-off guys. Maybe Irland is gonna be the protege to Baptiste, whereas Baptiste is the protege to Grenlian. That would be fantastic. I think. Well, let's 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 go position again. Attack Albany. Albany easily. Fields. And we saw healthy Fields against Richmond last week. Tohoka. Battle back through some adversity. He looked like the real deal again. Justin Ray is still Justin Ray. Sorry Justin Ray. You're just that that, that other guy that they have to fill. Midfield. off, uh, Midfield. Obviously Baptiste takes uh, part of that midfield. But I wouldn't really count the faceoff guys. Uh, McClancy is good. Sean Eccles is good. They're both two way guys. I would take Albany on that one again. Um yeah, I would take Albany that one. Offensively, McClancy and Eccles are not only good guys on offense, but also good on defense. I mean, Colton Jackson is good too. Ted Sullivan, Joe Reed, Colin Rutan. They have Denver has depth mate Morano too. Um Nah, eh, I might change that. Yeah, I'm going to change that. I know those two guys are in Albany are good, but I think Denver's depth is going to, just when I'm clicking on that, Denver's depth is going to be a, lot, a little bit better. I would take the edge over them and over Albany. Defensively, I would take, hmm, J.D. is good. Alex Reddy's bounced back very well since being sat by Josh Matt early in the season. You also have some good defensemen in Dylan Gaines. With the Pios. Stone Stimps is probably Albany's best defenseman. How will he do against Ethan Walker? We're not sure. I will take Denver's defense. Even without Sean Mayle. Who probably would have done a good job shutting down Kyle McClancy. Goalie wise, I would definitely take Albany. I would take Colorusso over Alex Reddy. But don't mistake in Alex Reddy because... Alex Reddy definitely appears to be ready. Faceoffs is the other key. Who would I take? Baptiste or Irland? Listen. <sighs> I think in this game, go experience Baptiste, but my heart is going to be with TD Erlin. Uh, I met the kid a few times, interviewed him, met him at uh, Syracuse. He's good friends with Jamie Trimboli. Uh, I hope he proves people wrong and says he's the real deal. He dominates. I hope he wins 65% of the face-offs, like I said, in the college cross-cast with maybe some people listen to all the way at the end. I want Ireland to win. I would like to see Ireland to win as the passing of the guard, but I think Baptiste I would take the edge over, over Ireland. In the end, the game... I think if Gaines can shut down Connor Fields, and I don't think he will be able to. It'll be a high-scoring game. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I don't really like any of this team's defenses. Maybe they're goalies, and, you know, Cola Russo and the Albany defense can show some signs of of chicken, of a uh, little uh, chicken in the armor, you could say. Um, I would go with the, the Las Vegas line right now is Denver minus one. I don't think it goes down the face-offs. I mean, I think even if Baptiste dominates, Albany can still win. No crap. So maybe it shows two battles. If Baptiste can win, that's great. Most of the face-offs, that's great. I think the line for that, and they have a prop bet, by the way. Face-off wins over five hundred. Baptiste is a minus 2.5 favorite. Over-under, Baptiste at 58.5%. So let's go with that. I think I want, T- I want TD Ireland plus two and a half uh, under 58.5 for Mr. Baptiste. And I think it will be that. I think it'll be a one face off game. Ireland plus two and a half and then under Baptiste 58.5. As for the game itself, Denver's a one-goal favorite. I'm going to go Albany minus one. Please, let's see the Danes in it. Let's see some fresh new blood. In Championship Weekend. Over-Unders 21.5. Bump it all the way up to over. This will be a fun shootout. And I hope it's not a 6-5 game. Because sometimes if people think it's a shootout. It's a 6-5 game. Sunday. In Annapolis. By the way I think Coliseum Deli might be the way to go for me. Sunday. In Annapolis Maryland. We have two games. First off. Uh. The game that uh we should be playing is Syracuse-Maryland-Cornell at noon. Hopkins-Duke-230. Let's start with the first game, Maryland-Cornell. A big game, big matchup here. Actually, two things before we go to the matchups. Is uh, Nick Brozowski going to play for Maryland? He did not play last week against Robert Morris. Number two, is Paul Razimowicz going to play against Cornell? He's suited up. For the big red, but did not play against Syracuse. Uh, I've heard that he has a, he had a uh, shoulder sprain in their game against, I think, Princeton or Brown. I think Brown or whatever. The game before Princeton. And he was supposed to be out for about two to three weeks. And Syracuse was that third week. Um... Uh, and he was warming up. He was looking fine when he was doing faceoffs, But I think they didn't want him to injure himself again. I think Razumovic does go out there and play. And they kind of do need him. Because I don't think they want to go to the freshman who just learned how to do faceoffs this year. Or Brandon Salvatore. Salvatore, excuse me, the long pole. Against probably Justin Shockey Or Austin Hendrickson. So that will be a big boost for Cornell. Nick Brzezowski, will he play the backup LSM? That would be a helpful addition to Maryland's wings. But the ultimate matchup to watch, I think it's not a no-brainer. It's going to be Bryce, more than likely Bryce Young or Curtis Corley. I would think Bryce Young, the top defenseman, against Jeff Teet. Now, is he going to get face-guarded again for Teat? Uh Well, first of all, I don't have the answer to that one because I don't have a scouting report on, like, last week where I did. And I'm like, yeah, he's going to be scouting, uh, being face-guarded by Mellon. I think what we saw with Mellon, and he dominated Teet for the most part, and so did Brown, you gotta I think you got to face-guard him. I think you need to put Bryce Young on Jeff Teet, face-guard him, limit him, and I think this Maryland defense can do work. Although you got to attack the short stick D middies, and I think that was another weakness that Syracuse had with a, a Damiel Adumoye, Uh Kevin Hutchings without, with a concussion from what I heard, so that was a big thing. You also had a uh, and a few other guys out there, uh, but Grant Murphy, but off ball, con- uh, off ball wasn't that good. Clark Peterson had a uh, five goals tie in career high, and he played. A Big big role in dominating the uh, the Q's defense and T. Pick guy didn't really do a whole lot in the second half. It was pretty much five on five. I think Maryland's defense is much stronger than Syracuse's defense. So you need guys like Jordan P, uh, Like P. Uh, Piatelli and Jordan Dowieck and Fletcher, who was a little bit quiet. Colton Rupp, quiet. Clark Pedersen was. On fire with five goals. Jonathan Donville out there as well. You need this, these young guys to come out and show them that, hey, just because Jeff T's not playing doesn't mean we suck. And I don't think they do suck. But um, you need all these guys to play big roles in this game, especially against the number one team who did struggle against uh, Robert Morris on Sunday. Um, as for Maryland, just get Connor Kelly going. I'm not a big fan of the uh Cornell defense Jake Pulver will probably be on uh actually attackman, but listed as a midfielder Connor Kelly Christian Knight needs to have, needs to stand on his head again like he did against Yale because this Maryland offense can is kinda good uh attack. Attack-wise, when you have teat, I would take. Uh, I would still take Maryland if you have T open and not being face guarded. But if he's face guarded, it's easily Maryland. Midfield, Cornell has some shooters, uh, but Maryland does have some guys. And Tim Rotance and two other guys usually it would be uh it would be Connor Kelly. Excuse me. But since he's usually, he's actually an attackman. I don't know where the other uh, midfielders are. I would take, I'm going to take, and Bubba Fairman, by the way, on the midfield. I would take Cornell. I think Cornell has some good shooters. They're a little bit underrated, but don't count them out. Defensively, I would take Maryland. Goaltender-wise, I would take Maryland by a little bit. Face-offs, I would take Maryland. The game? Las Vegas Lions has uh, the Terps as a two-goal favorite. I think Maryland wins minus two over under 23.5. I'm saying under 23.5. And then the final game, Hopkins-Duke. You take the blue pill, you have Duke. You take the light blue pill, you have Hopkins. Two thirty, final game. Uh, big games for the seniors. For both teams. Duke has not been a championship weekend since 2013, where they are 2014, where they won it all. The senior class hasn't been a championship weekend. Meanwhile, for Hopkins, they haven't been a championship weekend since the current seniors were freshmen, and they only lost to Maryland by a goal. And if they beat Duke, and if Maryland beats Cornell, it's the rivalry for the third straight uh, for the third time this year. And Hopkins had a hell of a game, hell of a comeback. Thanks to Kyle Marr, his five goals. And then Shaq Stanwick with, with the game winner in overtime. Duke dominated Villanova. Uh, easy road to Hempstead, or excuse me, Annapolis for them. Uh, for attack, as we go to matchups. Although, individually, sh- uh, Sha- uh, who? Shaq's probably gonna get Cade Van Rapphorst, I would think. And then... You have Kyle Marr against JT Giles Harris. Might do vice versa. I think those two will get those guys. Um, and then for Duke, face off battle will be interesting with uh, Brian Smith or Joe Stein against uh Hunter Moreland or Kyle Proudy. For Duke, I'll be I'll be interested to see uh, the, the midfield. Brad Smith more than likely will get pulled from the first midfield against Or Peter Connolly. I think it'll be Brad Smith. Or you go double pull. Brad Smith and Connolly get pulled. You go... If you go single pull, I would put pull on Smith against Kuhn. Uh, And then Patrick Foley, obviously, will be on Justin Gutterding. Unit-wise, attack, I would take Duke. I love Gutterding. Joe Robertson had a very good game with four goals. Uh, and don't don't count out Joey Manal for doing anything as well. Midfield, I would take Hopkins. Tinney is good. You also have Connor D. Simone, Cole Williams, also at attack. I really and Alex Concanon has definitely improved since his injury earlier in the season. Defensively, a lot of good underrated defensemen. I am gonna go with Duke. I like Giles Harris, and I like. Uh, Van Raphorst and Kent McDonough has some leadership as a graduate student to these two young guys. He hasn't, I don't think he has actually been to, uh, to a championship weekend. I don't think he's been to the NCAA tournament. I think with Penn, he might have been with Penn if he's a grad student in 2014 when they lost to Drexel. But maybe he was very, very young. I don't think he really played. If he did, that's great. And then the uh, the goalies, I would take. I would go with uh, Turnbull. I think Turnbull can turn it on whenever he can, at the right time. He didn't have the the best of games last Sunday against Georgetown, but overall, I've been very impressed with his play this year. And then the faceoffs, I would take Hopkins over Duke. I like Moreland, and I like Kyle Prouty as a guy that could take over for uh, Moreland next year. Uh, Brian Smith has improved. Joe Stein has been up there as well. But I would definitely take Hopkins. This game Duke is a one and a half goal favorite. I'm taking Hopkins. Minus uh well plus one and a half over under is twenty two and a half. I'm gonna go over twenty two and a half. I think we'll see some high scoring games this weekend. And Hopkins will win in the first game. Or the second game, excuse me, they'll play Maryland, and then again Loyola will be playing Albany. In Final Four, Gillette Stadium, Saturday, May twenty sixth at noon and two thirty on ESPN two, and then the championship game will be at one o'clock on ESPN two Memorial Day Monday. So that's your Division one previews. There are we'll do the other games as well from the other divisions in Division two. This weekend are the semifinals. Merrimack, the top seed in the North Region, taking on the two seed from the North Region, St. Uh, Seton Hill. That game's at seven o'clock at Merrimack. And the South top seed, Lenore Rhine, will play number two seed, St. Leo, at two p.m. Three of these four teams, Seton Hill, Lenore Rhine, and St. Leo, ha- are making their first ever appearance in the uh, Division Two semifinals. And none of these teams, Merrimack just went to the championship game last year. None of these teams have won a national championship. So, it'll be the first national championship for at least, for uh, actually for one of these teams, at least one of these teams will be making their first ever title game appearance. So, if you're a fan of Division 2, this will be a fun weekend. Get to know some of these new blood guys. If you're not, Merrimack, Merrimack's really the only recognizable team if you've been following it for the past few years few years like I have. But I do know Seton Hill and Lenore Ryan. And actually, one of my friends from LaSalle plays Lenore Ryan, Kyle Landis, And then St. Leo, the first lacrosse program in Florida. That began in 2006. So, shout out to St. Leo and Division Two, And Division Three. on Saturday. The semifinals are happening as well. RIT, the top seed, playing Wesleyan at 1 o'clock. And then in the bottom region, Gettysburg will be hosting Salisbury at four. Both teams, RIT and Salisbury, met in the championship game last year. RIT, de- actually Salisbury defeated RIT for their second straight title. RIT is currently undefeated. Salisbury, not the same Salisbury we know, but they are still good. I think, RIT- I think we could see RIT and maybe Gettysburg in the... Championship game at Foxborough at one PM on the twenty seventh. But hey, we don't know. And I love, and this is the beauty of the sport. Those games, I believe, are Sunday. Yes, those are Sunday games. I believe also the uh, the Division two games are Sunday, May twentieth. Yeah, May twentieth is a Sunday. So Division two II and three are Sunday, and both games will be on Sunday. Next Sunday, the May twenty seventh. Division three first at one o'clock, followed by Division two at like four. I think I'm correct... Whatever. Division one women. Uh, quarterfinals are going to be this weekend. Maryland hosting Navy at noon. BC hosting Stony Brook at 1 p.m. Uh, you also have James Madison playing Florida at 1 p.m. And then North Carolina playing Northwestern at 1 p.m. Those games are 1 o'clock, all on the 19th. And then the semifinals will be at Laval Stadium, Stony Brook. ESPN 3. Next Sunday, the championship game is on ESPNU at Stony Brook as well. Uh, Quickly division two women, Florida Southern, East Stroudsburg, in the semifinals, Lemoyne and Regis in the other semifinal on May 18th. May 20th, a Sunday at Tampa, will be the national championship game. So it'll be the first NCAA champion crowned in lacrosse. Division three have their regionals this weekend, Salisbury, Denison, Trinity, Roads, Gettysburg, Mary, Washington, Wesleyan, Amherst, TCNJ, Baldwin, Franklin and Marshall, Colorado College, Middlebury, Illinois, Wesleyan, and New York Catholic. Those are this weekend. Those two games, actually, are this weekend. Uh, MCLA, shoutouts to North Dakota State Division II and Michigan State Division One for winning their national championships. Juco-wise, Monroe for the women, Anadarka Community College for the men, shout out to those guys there, and for the NAIA, shout out to one guy in our DMs that said, "Hey, you need to cover the NAIA," and I'm like, eh, I was gonna ignore it, but I'm like, yeah, well, maybe. You know what? Let's let's get some of those people. Reinhardt from Georgia upsetting Topsy de Madonna from Michigan, eight seven in overtime. That was their second straight lacrosse invitational title. Shout out to Reinhardt. I didn't even know that was a school. These schools are some really, really small schools that you don't really know about. But hey, they do some play some good lacrosse. So good job for them. Uh, we are actually at, uh, what, 36 and a half minutes. That's good. That's a lot That's a lot better than the other one that we that we did uh, early in the week. One final thing. And this is the uh, MLL segment of this uh, podcast. And I love to talk about how the sport or how the league can improve, even though I'm not a big fan of it. Sandy Brown commissioners uh sat down with the uh the paywall people, LSN, for an interview about his first few months, his short and long term plans, and the goals for the league. Uh so he said this interesting quote, which was uh pretty much pushed over everywhere on LSN. Quote the quality of our sport is so far above anything one can see right now. We're no different than other sports in terms of the difference between co- college and professional. I want people to think of Miles Jones, the Chesapeake Bayhawk, and not the Duke Blue Devil. That's our ultimate goal. The college game is not the pinnacle we are. And that's kind of the right things he should be saying as the uh, the head of the professional lacrosse league. And I know that it's a long-term plan that's a good long-term plan but the short-term plan I think from what I think I saw a little bit of a clip of it he's just analyzing this year and I think that's the right move I don't think you see a lot of big changes this year no he just took over 90 days ago because the MLL didn't really decide to make a important search until like a few months before the season started they got a good guy but maybe the he got their after the last season started, maybe he would have seen some changes, or maybe not. Maybe it would have been the same thing. So I don't. I wouldn't expect some major changes with the league right now. Maybe next summer, or maybe next winter when the uh, ne- when the twenty nineteen season begins. Um, but I would agree. Yeah, the quality of the sport. Ignore all the, uh, ignore everything else with the on field product is probably very very good. Probably very much better than the college game. Because these are the best of the best. And these are some of the Olympians. Or could be Olympians. Definitely FIL world players. uh, Whatever. And but overall like if you include you know the streams. And you include the fans who are there. If you include maybe even owners or Whatever. If include all these little things, even the streaming of LSN, whatever, the marketing, it's still and the and the salaries of four hundred bucks a game, from what I've heard, ten thousand dollar average salary, whatever, it's still not there. And that's where I think Brown needs to address this, and I think that's going to be the big part for how to build this league moving forward. I'm looking at the Instagram comments college takes priority right now. MLL needs to market their game better. Obviously that's that's the uh the actual the the uh, the big reason why uh one of the big reasons why college is better than the MLL and the Major League Lacrosse can't get a good fan base. Need to actually make it easy to watch games then. Coming from the uh the quote official media rights holder for the MLL, you are I, th- I I've always marketed this, and I've always hit on this a lot. Making a paywall for games for a very niche community and a list niche league makes it even smaller. Why are you trying to make it smaller for a sport that's already small when you're trying to grow the game, grow the league, whatever? I don't think I think the idea of LSN was a little bit pushing it. And a little bit too fast and too quick for the sport, and now you see things like ESPN Plus and BR Live, which is partnering with the NLL, who had a, uh, or I think still does right now this season, have a have a uh, paywall TV subscription or streaming subscription for like thirty bucks a year, or whatever. You can't, even though they have a nine ninety nine four month deal, whatever. Who cares? You still can't do that. I don't know, just I think they're still gonna I think they're gonna be around and they're gonna be trying to push this around, but if if you wanna sell the game and you wanna grow the game, you can't be on your own platform. And I think it's starting to show. And the NHL has gone to ESPN plus. MLB has gone to ESPN plus. League Pass have so been is gonna go to BR Live. NFL you don't need to because they have their own stuff. I think MLS It's going to find a way somewhere, maybe to be our live, maybe or whatever, but some of these group paywall streams where you can, I mean, you still have to pay, but you'll have to get more, you'll get more eyeballs. You're going to be scrolling around, seeing some golf, maybe some hockey and like, oh, what's this lacrosse? I'll I'll tap on that. See what's up there and grow some sport, grow some uh, fans, whatever, and grow the sport in general. Uh, I think that's going to be the big part. And if you want people to think of Miles Jones as the Bayhawk, not the Duke Blue Devil, it's going to take a lot of work. Because remember, the NFL, the NBA, most of these pro leagues were a distant second to their college counterparts for a long time in the early 20th centuries. And then just shortly after the Depression, 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, That's when the growth of professional sports and TV and money and whatever started to become bigger. And that's when, you know, the pro sports became popular, very popular. College sports are so popular today. And I think especially with these sports that don't have big pro leagues, you know, outside of like baseball, basketball, football, and hockey, soccer might be still kind of popular, college soccer. Uh, what else? Track and field is easily a college sport. I think right now lacrosse is a college sport. And you could have pro track and field and whatever, pro swimming. I'm thinking of, of a few other sports, but right now lacrosse for the very near future will be a college sport. You know, bowling, I don't really think it's a college sport. I don't even think people watch bowling. Uh, What else do the NCAA have? Beach Volleyball. Again, not a lot of people watch it. Golf, definitely professional sport. Uh, Gymnastics, definitely a college sport. Wrestling, like not the WWE, but the uh, regular one, college sport. I think lacrosse is really, lacrosse I think is in like a weird situation. It's in a weird sports situation where it's kind of Not there at the pro sport level yet, and it's trying to get like the pay attention to me kind of signal, but it's also not where sports like rowing or rifle and skiing, it's kind of like that middle ground where it's ready for a breakthrough, but it needs some time and more improvements to make that breakthrough. If the MLL can do that for the pro league, that would be great, but I think any growth begins with the college game. I think all growth begins with college, especially with growing a sport like lacrosse, but if maybe the MLL can benefit from the college game growing, and some of these teams like Utah and St. Bonaventure and and even the women with Arizona State and Oregon growing the Pac-12 can help. So to make Miles Jones more known as a Bayhawk than the Blue Devils will take a long time And there are some things Sandy Brown should be able to fix in quick time. Maybe like at least five years max. So before I uh, cough myself to uh, the brink of death with my dry throat, we're going to be done. So yes, under 50 minutes. uh, Subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Give us a five-star review. I don't really think we've gotten a lot of five-star reviews lately. We will try to be on uh, all of next, a lot of next weekend, especially with the uh, the Final Four going on. Maybe daily pods from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, And again, keep those reviews going. I love them. We only have three so far, nine actual like ratings, but the reviews you get are appreciative, and they help us grow to more fans and more listeners of College Cross in general and to get more people tuning into College Across. Like, just because you have a big major publication that covers cross doesn't mean that's their only voice, you know? You have the dive at Barstool. You have myself. You have Lax All-Stars. I think having one single uh, outlet for everything isn't good, especially for the sport, and having all these... Sm- Other podcasts and publications like College Cross in general are good for the sport. So support us, please. We love to have a good voice. We love to have fun. We're not the brainy X's and O's guys. We don't like to use computers when we're deciding on stats or whatever. Please support us. We love you. You love us. We love you back. And uh, right now, that's it. We'll see you this weekend and stay hydrated out there, everybody. Bye, Felicia.